everyone, and welcome to the Orphan Black Season 2 Roundtable. My name is Kevin Batchelder, and I'll be moderating this discussion. We have several Orphan Black podcasters joining us. Obviously, if you're listening, you're a big fan. You're probably a listener of one of these shows, or many of them, or by the end, hopefully all of them. But uh, before we get into some great discussions about uh, Season 2, and also maybe some speculation on Season 3... Very obviously, if you have not seen all of season two, be well aware we'll talk about anything and everything that might have happened in the season. So this is not a spoiler-free discussion, folks. Keep that in mind. All right, let's start going around the virtual roundtable. Let you be introduced to all the folks who are here. Get used to the voices because we do have several folks. Let's uh, start it off first. Throw it over with Mark. Thanks, Kevin. I'm Mark Decote of the Orphan Black Podcast by Solo Talk Media, and uh, I'm the Canadian in the room here. Uh, podcasting, I do the podcast by myself, and uh, every week, well, just like everybody else here, we talk about Orphan Black. Hi, I'm Karen Lindsay. I am from the other The Orphan Black podcast uh, from the DVMPE. Um, I co-host with Steve Salyer, and he could not be here tonight, so I am representing for both of us. Oh, my name is Chris. I am from Tatiana Is Everyone. And my co-host is Stephanie Beaver. That's me. We are both here, so we might be causing some trouble potentially. <laughs> Best podcast name ever, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. It was Chris's idea. I have to give her credit. Hi, my name is Kimberly Walton. I am the host of Three Two Four B Twenty One, the Orphan Black Podcast. My co-host Sean um, is actually with DVMP, but she could not be here today, so. Just me representing. And hi, everybody. I'm Terry. I'm from The C Word, an Orphan Black podcast. Uh, I also work with Steve on our show. And I work with uh, Sean, by the way, on an upcoming Doctor Who podcast. So I get around. <laughs> awesome. Lots of great voices. Lots of great thoughts here, folks. For those who might not be aware, we also did a roundtable before season two we'll throw a link in some show notes for you if you're gonna have some fun kind of see some thoughts before the season might be a great way to bookend this discussion all right well season two. Oh my goodness where to begin i know we could go for hours so we're going to try to be uh, a little more on point here but uh, uh the big thing that's got to come up and and we probably at least in my mind have to start a little bit with is just maybe general impressions on the season when you folks had coming in you know, on the direction of what you thought, way off, and what you thought just with some general impressions. Why don't we start that off with uh, Stephanie? Well, it's always difficult for me to have any sort of expectations when it comes to Orphan Black because the writers really don't like to follow the usual formulas very much. So I don't know that I really had much in the way of expectations. As far as general impressions... It felt like there was a lot crammed into those 10 episodes. I wish a couple of the storylines had gotten some more room to breathe, but I thought we got some some great stories and some introductions of some interesting characters. I'm going to go. This is Kim, or Kimberly. You know what? I actually started watching Orphan Black for the first time about two weeks before the season two premiere. I sat down and watched all of it in, in one sitting, all of the first season. So I didn't really have time to think about it. I know that I wanted to know more about Helena and I was betting my money that she was not dead. So I got to learn more about Helena and she really grew on me this season. And that's what I was looking for along with some other things. But I, I didn't have any expectations whatsoever because that first season, which was, was such a mind blow for me, I was just really excited for the new season to start. 
I came into Orphan Black with uh, my co-host, uh, Stephen Corey, uh, suggesting I watch it. And I watched the first three or so and said I eh, it was okay. Not that great, not that bad. And they said it gets better, stick with it. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. I watched the entirety of the first season. Uh, loved it and told them if I was going to do a podcast since you two recommended it, you have to be my cohorts in crime. So I thought that the second season started off and kept going at a much better level than the first season. I think the first season midway ramped it up really well, but I thought the second season, and I agree it's a good criticism about a little too much crammed in there, but I think they kept this ramped up really, really well this whole season. Hey, Mark here. I started Orphan Black when it originally aired and uh, watched it in its entirety week from week, and I only started podcasting about it in the off season, I did a, a season one in review podcast for those who follow. Then season two, what I liked about season one is it wasn't 10 episodes. It was one big long show because everything, every episode followed one after the other. And season two did the same thing. It picked, season two picked up literally seconds after season one ended. And uh, I, I'll say just like... Uh, before season two started, we had some teasers, and, and uh, it was um, Maria Doyle Kennedy who, in one of her interviews, said that season two is like season one on crack. And after seeing season two, she was dead on. Yeah, I love the big story arc. I have to agree with you, Mark. The, this season, I do think there were too many characters. I think that there were a couple that were underused. And in that case, I wanted to see more of those characters, but otherwise, it was just crazy town, and I, just, I loved every second of it. It was a roller coaster, to be cliche, but wow, it blew my mind. There were things that, you know, we were trying to speculate on stuff, and, you know, we we had the the mythology thing pegged, but not exactly where it was headed. Um, and you know, we had kind of the, everyone's there for a reason and there might be other clones thing pegged, but not how it was going to go. And, uh, you know, the whole Kira thing. And it seemed like, you know, every time you'd make a guess, they would totally pull the rug out from under you. And I just, I love that because, you know, there's, it, when you speculate on a show, when you love a show this much and you want to speculate on it, it, it's so gratifying when, at least to me, when something comes to fruition that is just so different from what you predict and good, and you think, wow, those writers are so creative. I just love that. And I just, it's so out of left field and so creative and so brilliant. And the fact that they have uh, the real Cosima as part of this, and, you know, it's it's sort of, it may not be a hundred percent realistic, but it's kind of anchored in fact. And there, you know, there's so many morality issues that you can talk about with it. And there's just so many points that you can, you know, you can dicker back and forth with. Um, I, I just, I, it's not just the show, it's the whole experience, you know, getting to sit down afterwards and talk to people about it, even just not on the podcast, but like on Twitter and with my husband and with other people and then, you know, interacting with people that listen to our podcast and things like that. So it's the whole experience for me. But then the show on, you know, was just 
insane. So, I mean, it's, it's so immersive. I just love it. Yeah. Every so often I become deeply, deeply invested in a TV show. (laughs) And it's kind of funny because a lot of the friends that I have now haven't seen me like this before. So when the season started, I basically kind of turned into a little bit of a crazy person. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Stephanie will tell you, I I got a little bit manic, maybe, during recording some of the episodes. And uh, I don't know, I'm just, like everybody's been saying, it's so intense, this show, and so well-constructed, that I'm, I'm just like, I'm super invested in it, and I don't know. My friends are making fun of me for it now. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Man. You gotta ditch those friends, then. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, but now I've gotten them all to watch it, and so they kind of understand now. Okay, <laughs> that's all right. That's good. Nothing to the madness. There you go. Yeah. But have you ever seen a show like like Orphan Block between the seasons? The uh, both BBC America and, and uh, up here Space in Canada. The promotions and the the teasers and everything. I. I don't know if it's just because we are so invested in this show because we podcast about it, but I saw so much promotion for Orphan Black compared to any other show I could think of with all the, uh, they put out some those 16 second teasers of, of every clone. They, they were plastering billboards all over the place. They're, they're great on social media of uh, letting their fans know what's going on. And, uh, and all the little teaser trailers that they put out which got us talking and anticipating stuff and and of course they completely give us the wrong idea the wrong impression of what's going to happen but just Mm. building us up like i'm thinking of that scene that we saw before the season even started of of uh sarah standing on the side of the road with cal and she has the gun behind her back and you see the police cars heading towards them how much anticipation did we do for that scene and when it finally came the cop car just drove right by her yeah Yeah. (laughs) but we saw that that clip. We saw that what a month, two months before the the season started, and everybody's talking about that. And I, I just think that the the showrunners and the people behind Orphan Black do such an excellent job of getting the fans involved in this show. Yeah, and those trailers also with the binary in them and everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's it's very rare that they give you Easter eggs that. Like there's fans that are surface fans, and so they get one layer. But then there's the fans like us that are like so into it, and we're like, oh, there's nerd stuff in here, and we all have these nerdgasms. And you know, I just I really dig that. I I don't know why, but it's like they're you know they're talking right to us, and they tell us afterwards, you know, after the finale, one of the creators comes out and says, you know, that the dog book was written by my mother and it was kind of a shout out to you guys and you know that that's a big deal that they're actually like interacting with us as fans saying you know hey thanks for watching and we do this for you guys and that's a huge deal yeah and ob tumblr is i think one of the best examples i have ever seen of like official social media interacting with fans mm-hmm I think the only other show that I would compare, although I think the advertisements and number of teasers alone outnumbers this show, but Fringe, uh, that was on Fox, uh, they used to do a lot of things as well with the 
with the viewers, a lot of it was the viewers trying to keep it on, which they did for third, fourth, and fifth seasons. But they did things to try to incorporate the listeners. Like uh, there was one character who was named David Wu, and there actually is a David Wu, and he did, if anybody listened to another podcast that I was on back in the day following the pattern, he did the Fringe Monks. They were great. Uh, and he was very, very creative with that. And they incorporated a character to have his name. Uh, and then there was also the Observer's Notebook that they put out that if you were the first ones or X number of people to, to I don't know, answer a question or just contact them one or the other, that your names would be included into the book. Right. As yeah. one of, you know, as the observers were watching you as well. So, uh, yeah, I think probably the amount of promotion would be more for Orphan Black pretty easily, I would say. But uh, the last time I would remember this kind of interaction would be Fringe. And I think that what Orphan Black does is just phenomenal. Yeah, I do too. Now, that brings up a good point, not to put someone on the spot here. But I know, Stephanie, you work very hard not to watch <laughs> teasers and things. You want to go to every episode cold. So I'm curious, certainly working with Chris on the podcast, but also just in general with the fandom, how did that go for you this season? You know, pretty well, amazingly. I realized I didn't follow all that many people on Twitter or Tumblr who posted a lot of Orphan Black stuff. So I did okay, but I did get spoiled on the... Because, oh, and I'm actually really mad at the promo department because they put Kasima collapsing in the promo <laughs> for the week before, you know? And that's her last scene in the episode. And that was like the one thing I got spoiled on. And then I watched the episode. And I'm like, we get no conclusion to this in this episode so i gotta worry another week but that was the one spoiler <laughs> that was the one spoiler i saw all season chris was very well, nice i ran interference for you she did and chris luckily was nice. it wasn't a huge thing either i mean she got up and was okay the next episode well not okay but you know yeah she wasn't like in a coma or something like right that, it wasn't so. she wasn't on her deathbed yeah so. yeah but still i'm kind of mad at the promo people for putting a character's last yeah. scene in the promo that's not very fair yeah yeah, we, we know this from being fans of many shows now, how we have to balance between the the great anticipation as opposed to truly being spoiled by it. And I knew you had tried to avoid a lot of those. So it's it's a great case of showing how much the fandom and as we were describing, other fandoms keep folks engaged, you know, almost minute by minute between those weekly episodes. Because this is tough for a show like this, yeah. where you literally want to be watching them one after the other in the binge watch. Now I'm actually going back and watching all of the preseason two teasers that they put out. <laughs> and I'm like discovering things. We're like, it's so cute. We watched those months ago. <laughs> They're actually really good. And I, I like, like Mark said, that they were completely out of context. Um, especially that one you mentioned where they were in the street. I was, I was like, oh no, the cops are going to get them. And it was nothing. It it was literally nothing. That was crazy. Although the one where she tackles Rachel, I mean, that one was much more yeah. tense than it was in the clip. So, yeah. But even that, in the clip, there was so much speculation on who actually tackled Rachel because right. we thought it was Sarah, but then the makeup said Kasima. Right. And everybody was like, who is it? Who is it? So, well, I assumed it was Sarah. So the, the one thing about the promotions, uh, one of my listeners actually caught this and sent it in to me. Uh, in one of the weeks, there was a promo in one of the, you know, next week on Orphan Black, they showed a conversation happening between um, uh, Professor Duncan and Sarah. And that conversation actually never showed up in the episode. It was cut from the episode. 
Oh, wow. It's just a couple of words where she said, like, why were, you know, they they wanted to make more clones. And he says they wanted to make lots and lots and lots of of little girls. And uh, that mm. line that he oh, said wow. to her was actually cut out of the actual broadcast. Hmm. I really like the posters that they did because they would show up and, like, it would be a syringe or it would just be a tooth. And you're like, <laughs> what does this mean? Like, yeah. I'm freaking out about it. Um I just think they did a really good job with promotion. It really got me going like week to week because like I said, I've been, I've been to watch the first season. It was very hard for me to transition to the second season where I had to wait. Um, yeah. Each week it was, it was, it was killing me. I don't think You're I'm talking ever... about those minimalist posters. Yeah. Those minimalist yeah. posters. Yeah. Kind of like those were great. They were awesome. I, I really liked that. And Oh, I, I hope they keep it up. I, I don't, I don't know. If they can outdo themselves, but I, I really hope they keep it up. It's good stuff. Now, I know with a show like this, there are a ton of things in those 10 episodes that you can focus on and we can talk about. But I'm going to ask, kind of put everybody on the spot here, go around the virtual table again and ask you folks to think of Orphan Black Season 2. What is the biggest item that sticks with you? Oh. Terry? Oh my God! Well, we do. We always do a top three on every one of our episodes. Uh, top three moments or arcs. Um, the one thing that stuck out the most. Wow! Can there be one thing? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I, I, I would just say the. Uh, it's kind of a broad statement, and I don't mean it really as a cop out, but they've done it so well. I would say the the binding together of the clones the way that each of the clones have kind of been going around the edge of the wheel and how they now have been over the course of this season been coming down the spokes into the center and i think they've kind of weaved their familial if you will uh relationship relationships pretty well i mean for now i mean we got to see what comes up in the future but um I just think that they've they've written the show so well that it would be easy with so many characters, whether it was Tatiana or a bunch of people playing the different characters, that you could have like a little bit here, a little bit there, and you end up with just kind of like a character mishmash. And that's it. You know, and it's like, well, that's not bad. But I think the way that they have woven each one in, and sometimes some clones are in there, sometimes some are not, but they all eventually wind them together. Uh, that, that has really impressed me. I would say that would be the one thing that really stuck out. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really hard to pick one thing, but if, if I had to just quickly off the top of my head, I think it's the introduction of the male clones because that's something I was not expecting. No, it completely yeah. caught me off, off guard. I always figured there were male clones but I thought that would be a season three, season four thing. I, I never expected them to bring him out in, in season two, even though it was the final episode. Uh, it was just something I never expected. And who the clone ended up being. Um, you know, there was so much speculation throughout the season. A lot of people saying, well, they thought Felix was a clone yeah. or stuff like that. But for it to turn out to be a clone of, of Mark, it, that just totally blew me away. I was completely freaked out when I saw that in the final episode. Yeah, I was kind of... I was actually kind of hoping it was Felix. Me too. I think everyone was. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was part of me that wasn't surprised it wasn't Felix. Because it, it was almost like they were pointing us there. And I was like, well, it can't be if they're pointing us at it. 
But wow, that yeah, kind of came out of left field that it was Mark. One thing, man. I think one thing is the building up of this whole Kira thing. Is It's just eating me alive. Mm. Wanting to find out what is the deal with Kira. Yep. There is definitely something about her. You know, she knows exactly which clone is which. Um, the only time I have questioned that is when she woke up from surgery and she called out for her mother and it was Rachel in the room. But I'm guessing it was because she had just been under. Otherwise, she knows exactly which clone is in the room with her. She knows in, intuitively almost everything that's happening. Before it happens. Yes. Yeah. And there's just something about her. And I don't know... I, I want to know. And if it comes down to like the one thing that sticks in my mind that I'm going to be talking about, um, it's something that I say almost every day with my husband. You want host baby or cow baby? Um, <laughs> then my husband and I, for some reason, that line sticks with me. You want host baby? Um, just it makes me laugh every time in the singing in the car. But But Kira... The actress that plays her is amazing. And I just, one of the things that gets me is wanting to know more about her. And then the fact that I hated Donnie and now I like him. And that boggles my mind. So I cheated. I'm sorry. I picked two. Uh, I think the one thing for me that's going to permanently stay with me is Clone Club Family Night. From the last episode. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating because it's a series of scenes. But, you know, from Helena being introduced to Kasima and Allison and being reunited with Kira, which totally made me cry. Mm. And then, you know, they have their dance scene, which was awesome. Yeah. And the scene of, of Sarah and Kasima having their little conversation I like your hairs. <laughs> so great. I like your hairs too. <laughs> Such a uh, I miss your little face. Oh, I want to eat up your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing that popped in my head when you asked the question, Kevin, so I'm just going to go with it. And it surprised me actually, was the scene in the shower with Sarah and Helena after, you know, oh. she comes in looking like the like something out of a horror movie, having just killed that guy. And, you know, she, Helena's just so upset and emotional and, you know, sort of bearing herself as much as she can to Sarah, who's just absolutely terrified of her. And then they she embraces Sarah and they and Sarah like just starts sobbing. And I really loved I think that scene is very, very powerful. It's a great image that will probably just stick in your head for a really long time. But I also just in general liked the way they developed the relationship between Sarah and Helena this season, though I was so mad at Sarah for leaving Helena behind. In episode mm. six, I was very disappointed in Sarah. I'm going to go more with the concept. I, I, I think what really stood out in, in my mind, and, and this could be because I watched season one so close to the beginning of season two, was the, and I'm big on character development, but was the change in Sarah over the entire season. And she, she kind of, I mean, because in season one, she's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And, you know, she wasn't really accepting and she just, she completely does a turnaround and she's calling them her sisters and 
there's that bonding there and it, it, it really got emotional at times. So I think that's what stood out in, in my mind the most, especially with uh, Helena and Sarah in the car when Helena was singing uh, Sugar Sugar. That was <laughs> sugar, sugar. That was just a great scene. Um, hey, and you know, it comes around full circle because she has to initiate Tony. Yeah. And, you know, from someone who didn't even want to be part of the club to having to actually bring someone in. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. Was I'm sorry, point. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, you know, and I was pretty much done anyway, but because I could talk about that forever. <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I kind of put you all on the spot, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners had the same thing. There's certain things that just stick in their head. So that was part yeah. of the fun of seeing what you'd each come up with. Now, one thing to kind of delve a little bit into some plot lines that we really haven't, no one's brought it up yet because we've all talked about some cool things or the emotional attachment. But a big part of what I certainly saw a lot of folks get into some discussions on was the whole introduction of the Prolethians. Mm. So... Folks want to talk a little bit about what they think that meant and where that, uh, you know, the foundation of what that might mean going forward. Uh, Karen, you want to start us off? Well, um, what's his name? The guy who had Helena, he was a Prolethian, right? Tomas. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Tomas. So we knew about them. We just didn't know about them as as an organization. And, okay, in the first episode where we saw the, the compound... I talked to Steve and I said, okay, this is a cult and they are giving us the, the clues up front. They're inseminating things. There are a bunch of women and there are only a couple of guys. And this is going to be a, hey, I like to spread my seed thing. And Steve was like, okay, I don't get that vibe, but whatever. And I was like, you mark my words. And... <laughs> Um, it turned out to kind of be true and um, more true than he wanted it to be, I think. And I, I, I was creeped out by them the whole time. I just, um, I wasn't sure where they were going to fit in. I mean, I think they were put there in order for the egg thing to happen. I think it was brilliant in order for that to happen, but I also think that they could have almost taken that out and we still would have had enough stuff happening. Like they could have expanded all the other stuff. But but I'm not saying it was a bad thing because um, it, it, you know, ultimately it gave us the storyline with Mark and Hank and the eggs and all that stuff and Helena and, you know, all that, all those things. But I almost feel like it robbed us of some stuff. And you know, art was part of that storyline, and I really do think that art was underused. Oh, uh, yes. I would have, I would have liked to see a lot more of art, um, even if that meant we saw more of Angie, who I hate with the passion <laughs> of a thousand fiery suns. Same. Uh, oh, she's terrible. Um, and I could have done without Vic too, but Angie, just oh, I wanted her to die so hard. <laughs> Um, but art, I, I really wanted art to be more than just a safe house, which is what he ended up being. Um, and the comic relief when Helena ran out and, you know, he's just standing there and she runs right by him, you know, that I was kind of like, what, why didn't he? Okay, whatever. So, you know, there were, 
some really important pivotal moments that happened there. And of course it gave us the horse baby cow baby, you know, thing and and the really uncomfortable scene with Helena um giving some payback there at the end. Uh where she gets him in the end, if you will. Hello. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um we had <laughs> all the, the guys all the guys just squirmed in their seat right now. Yeah, <laughs> in their seat. Um, if you will. <laughs> Again. But uh I mean, it gave us some really important things, but uh, you know, I kind of want to know what you guys feel about that. Could it, you know, could it have been removed, and you know, just have little pieces? Could, I, I know it gave us Mark and Hank and all that stuff, but you know, I just wonder what you guys think about that. I actually, I disagree. I think it's really thematically important. I agree. The story, because it is all about them using Helena for her reproductive ability, which again fits right in with the show's feminist ideology. So I'm all for it. And I loved that scene where Helena took her revenge. I loved it too. I did. I cackle every single time. I watch it. Me too. I like the pipe too. Yes. Why do you think I'm trying to be funny? It's (laughs) pretty much one of my favorite lines of the season. Great. Go for it, Stephanie. Well, I pretty much agree. I feel like it was a really appropriate storyline thematically for the show. I thought it was a really great storyline for Helena. And it, it was interesting to see when, when they were first introduced, you know, we have Tomas and then looking down on Tomas and kind of his old ways. And Henrik was calling Helena she and not it. And I was like, maybe he'll be better. But no, he was just so much worse. And so I, I actually did enjoy the the Prolethean storyline, I, I don't know exactly how they're still going to incorporate them or if they will. And I'm kind of curious about that, but, but I did well, yeah, enjoy this, is, this, this seasons. Sorry. This was the farming Prolethians. Yes. And I still think there might be other factions of Prolethians. And they actually right. pointed out that the Bonnie, I think her name is Gracie's mom was out of the compound at the time that Helena set it Looking on fire. So rude mares. Yeah. So, so she could very much pop up as a, uh, a, a different Prolethean faction next in the future. Hey, and looking for revenge too. Yeah, even as a solo I, threat. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I I can see what you mean, Karen, about the the the, the storyline. But I, I think it was probably in, important, mainly because you know they they had mentioned that Mark had gone AWOL um, from the military, and we see him and Paul together. And at that time when, when he's tracking Helena and at that time I was like, they're the way that they're talking to each other. I'm like, I feel like Paul knows him even though they're playing off like he doesn't. Um, and, and to introduce that, but more importantly, I think we kind of saw what was important to Helena because of it. You can really tell, and you had an inkling before the way that she was acting with Kira, that she wants a child. She wants something to love. She wants to be loved. And I think it just, it just kind of brought that out a little bit more. Um, and, and we get to see a, a different side of Helena. And for that, I, I feel like it was probably important. Although I would be a little bit hesitant to have her run a nursery. Yeah. You know, if she has a problem, she'll take care of it. I don't <laughs> think you, I'm not sure if you want her taking care of problems that way. Karen, I'm going to piggyback on yours first about art. I thought that he was extremely underused. I have said on our show that, um, he is certainly the most hapless private eye. 
or um, or detective in the police force that I have seen in a long time that they're not playing all the time for outright laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in season one, he was much more serious. Of course, he had that heavy weight of that involvement with Beth Childs. And then the added level of, well, this isn't really Beth Childs who you're working with. So he had a lot of stuff going on in season one that lends himself to being very serious. But now in this season, it's just like he's there for not so much filler, but he's kind of like his apartment is the connector to the next scene. Mm -hmm. You know, I would really like to see a little more with art. Uh, The Prolethians, the fact that Mark was there and Mark is one of the clones from the military's project. uh, I'm just wondering if Mark was any kind of an informant to the military uh, about what was going on there, or did the military put him there? Because he was uh, he was announced as being ex-military. Yeah, my well, thought according was that to, he was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say in post season finale interviews with John and Graham, they said that to their knowledge, it was not a very definite answer. Mark didn't know that he was a clone. That doesn't mean the military didn't necessarily put him there, but I don't know that he would have been, but he at least is not aware of the fact that he is a clone. So it seems to likely that he wouldn't be, you know, part reporting back to like project caster or something like that. Yeah. But prior to meeting none of the other prior to, I we're assuming the first two that met were Cosima and Allison, I would assume, uh, because they seem to know each other before Sarah came into the picture with them. All these other clones didn't know that they were clones either. So it could be something that the military has kept from Mark and he would still not know, just like all these other clones didn't know about it of their own, except Rachel. Rachel was the only one who knew from childhood. Yeah. So. Uh, just, just going back to Kevin's questions, I think uh, overall, when you look at the, the Prolethean organization, I think... Yes, there is more than just what we saw. We know that there was the uh, Tomas faction and then there's Henrik's uh, little cult there. I'm sure there's going to be more. But uh, I think the Prolethians are going to be one of those things that we don't know everything now. But after season three or season four, we're going to look back on season two and go, oh, okay, that now I understand. That's what I think it's going to be. I think a lot of it was to introduce Gracie. I think Gracie's going to play a, a big part, obviously, with uh, Mark and her carrying uh, Helena's babies. So she's going to play a big part in, in season three. And it, it's uh, my question is, is whether Henrik knew that Mark was a clone, and that's why Henrik brought Mark into his little family. Uh, mm, that's a good point. So I, mm. I don't know. Like, if Mark might not know he's a clone, but I have a feeling Henrik probably did. But now that Henrik's dead, I don't know if that'll play into anything. It's kind of a moot point. But yeah. I wonder why Henrik would have kept the fact that Mark was a clone from him since he talked so openly about it to Helena. And so did Tomas like, talk about the cloning and things like that. I have the same question, but I, I feel like that we don't have a good answer at this point. Well, when he talked to Helena, he knew, I'm assuming, that she knew that she was a clone because she had been in touch with other, at least Sarah, you know, other clones. Mark has never, to our knowledge, met any of his other clone brothers and that kind of leads me to wonder was uh henrik military was he also ex-military or was he active military he seems to be more like the amish version of rachel he was a scientist was he there you go yeah okay 
So and part of my speculation, or at least some speculation, was that he was affiliated with Dyad at some point. At least that's what I mm. gathered, because he well, seemed would, to know a lot about Project Lita. That would be interesting that he and Duncan are out of the picture now. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Yeah, lots to chew on there. Definitely, Ooh. that's why I was curious to hear everyone's so thoughts. So, how too. messed up is Gracie now? Because she always had this aversion to clones. Now she's <laughs> married to a clone, and she's carrying a clone baby. <laughs> but she really took to Helena by the end mm-hmm. of the season. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. she's sleeping with a clone now. That's mm-hmm. that's different than befriending a clone. <laughs> craziness i'm glad you made that distinction <laughs> well sorry no i'm good i'm good <laughs> now part of what's going on here certainly in this discussion with the prolethians and some of our other season two stuff as we know we got many new characters came in this season for the first time so uh, again same idea i'm kind of curious to hear from you folks on uh i don't know if you want to call it a favorite or maybe thing you're most uh looking forward to with a certain character or that you thought made a big impact in season two, kind of like a brief thought on uh, that same idea. One that kind of stuck out for you in season two from the newer characters. Chris, you want to kick us off? I'm really sort of excited about Tony. And I mean, I'm assuming they're going to bring him back next season, but I guess we'll see. But I, I liked that they, introduced another character and that it's a trans clone. They talked about doing that last year. And uh, so I'm excited that they followed through with it. Because again, a show about exploring identity. I think this is a really good and interesting way for them to do that or to, to make good on it, I guess. Yeah, I was really excited about Tony too, but I, th- I think probably the newer character I was most excited about was Marion Bowles. I really like what Michelle Forbes is doing with that role, and I think it could be really interesting to have a really sympathetic person who's actually knowledgeable I- involved in sort of the dyad situation. So I'm looking forward to see what will come of her in the third season. I liked... Tony and I didn't like Tony and and probably the reason is because I'm like I said I'm very big on character development and and for some reason Tony felt rushed to me and that could just be because they didn't want to get into it um they were just giving you a taste I don't I don't know but I felt like they I don't know all the all the characters are so well defined that I felt like it was just kind of thrown in there last minute and I would like to I would like to know more about Tony so I hope they get into that a, a little bit more yeah, I said on our show that I think that uh, Tony is going to serve a good purpose as a character if they bring him back, and there's going to be something about the the trans clone nature of him that keeps him seemingly immune to this disease that they're all getting at different times. Uh, if they bring him back and that plays into it, you know, throw some science in there, I think Tony will be good, and he gets an honorable mention, but I would have to go with Marion Bowles also. I think that She's going to be a key power player. And whether or not Rachel is alive or dead, and if she's alive, how she's going to come back, and how the whole uh, going to school in your eye event <clears throat> um, is going mm-hmm. to affect her mentally. Uh, yeah, it could be a good power play between the two of them. So uh, Marion would be my vote. I, uh, first, I just want to touch on the Tony character. I, I 
like the idea of them introducing a transgender clone. I just didn't like the way they did it for for two two reasons. First of all, I think the character, that entire storyline could have been done without Tony. The only thing he brought to the story was that cryptic message that his uh, his friend, uh, whatever, Sonny, uh, I think his name? Sammy. Yeah. Sammy, sorry. What, the cryptic message that Sammy brought in. And even that cryptic message, we could have done without that. We would have found out that Paul was uh, part of the military without that cryptic message. So we, with that gone, the Tony character was totally irrelevant. I felt it was just uh, a gimmick they put in. And the other thing about Tony is it was the one clone that I did not believe in the show. When I see Kasima, I see Kasima. When I see Allison, I see Allison. When I see Sarah, I see Sarah. When I saw Tony, I saw Tatiana. And like I, I, I forget that Allison and Kasima and Sarah are the same actress. You, you get to that. But all I could see was Tatiana whenever I saw Tony, and I just thought it was too much of a gimmick. But to answer Kevin's question, my character that I thought was most intriguing is actually Cal with his mm. multiple identifications that he has hidden and uh, the mystery. I, I just think there's a lot more to him that we don't know that they, I'm hoping they're going to branch off in season three and give us a little bit more backstory on him because I think that some of the story that we do know about him might be false, fabricated. Uh, at one point, I actually speculated that he was actually a con artist and, and Sarah had actually conned a con man. I don't know if that's true, but it's just all those multiple... That when he opened up that cabinet and he had whatever five or six different wallets with multiple identifications in it, um, that his character intrigues me the most in uh, season two. You know, you totally stole my thing. Um, I was going to ask Kevin. He knows me pretty well. You know, who did he think my favorite new character was? And he was going to probably say Cal right off the top because he's eye candy. Um, <laughs> but I knew you'd like Cal. him. Yes. Yeah, it is Cal, but not just because he's eye candy. There's a lot of things, and it's not just that, Mark. Um, when he was first introduced, he said a lot of things. He works with bees. Bees pollinate. So again, we're going with the whole seeding theme. Um, he sold that technology to the military. And so we're talking to the military getting their hands on pollinization technology. We also have his hacking skills, the gun and the, um, the IDs, the fact that he's Kira's father and Kira has all these abilities. And, you know, was this a setup of some sort? I mean, we know that Sarah didn't know she was a clone, that they weren't keeping tabs on her as far as we know. But, the fact that these two people got together and created this particular child, it just, to me, it doesn't seem like a coincidence. So there's a lot of things having to do with Cal that I want to know. You know, there, it, this cannot be a coincidence in my mind Agreed. That, that he is part of this. Mm -hmm. um, there's just too many things that have to do with, you know, this project. He, he knows a lot about the sort of things that would work with cloning and with um, populating things. So to me, he really is very interesting and he's super hot. So <laughs> two and one. Double, double win. Yeah. Uh, so now I have Paul and Cal to look at. <laughs> and I'm good with that. Nothing wrong there. Absolutely. 
Now, thinking about uh, kind of season two, before we get to any season three discussions, um, I'm going to kind of throw you all, as they say, under the bus a bit here to, to put you on the spot again a little bit and say, uh, looking at uh, season two now, we, as we said, a lot of great new characters through us for some great loops. But of course, to make room for that, that meant some of our characters had to take more of a back seat. So if you look at season two, what, do you, what did you miss most that you didn't quite get enough of? Kimberly, you want to throw us out for us there? Actually, I was just thinking about this a second ago. Did all the neo-evolutionists die? I just, it, like, the storyline completely disappeared because, so Leaky's gone now. And, um, oh, what's the guy's name who had the tail? Olivier. Olivier. Olivier, yeah. He's gone, and I'm like, what happened to that? Were they the only two? Like, what happened to that whole entire thing? I would have liked to see that they still existed. Sure. In some kind of capacity. Did I miss something? Or did anybody else see that? I could have missed it. I don't know. Well, Professor Duncan did mention that he made reference to the neolutionists within Dyad. So mm-hmm. the implication is that there are some there still, but we haven't been introduced to them. And it was plural, the neolutionists within Dyad. So we know yeah. more than just Leaky. That's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's dun, what dun, I would dun. like to see. Uh, I, uh, again, honorable mention will go to art, but I, I, I would like to just see more of, I would like to have seen more of Kira, even though we saw a lot of her and they have shown over the season, how her abilities are just kind of unfolding one after another. But I want a little more backstory about how she, I know how she was made, but with Cal and Sarah making her. Uh, thank you, Karen. And uh, <laughs> thank you for qualifying. <laughs> and, Otherwise, um, I would have had to explain, and that would. I'm been sure. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can send me a text later, but um, okay. <laughs> but you know we're assuming that, uh, and I don't think incorrectly so that her abilities are probably having something to do more with Sarah than Cal. I would like to have had more of their backstory and how they came to where. You know, they they made Kira, how that relationship all went, and to explain more about Kira's makeup. I mean, she healed from that accident, I thought, pretty quickly mm-hmm. in season one when she, uh, you know, took that dive in front of the car. Yeah. You know, so, and they, they seem to have some kind of, you know, recuperative ability. So I think more of Kira's backstory and more of including how uh, Sarah and Cal got together because we just know that they were together. Uh, I think that I'd like to see that more fleshed out. Hopefully they will in the, in season three. Uh, it, me, it, it's going to sound a little strange, but I think one of the characters that was the least used or most underused character um, was actually Allison. Even though we got a ton of Allison, mm. her story was completely separate. And I loved her story. I loved the whole uh, rehab and everything going on with Donnie and, and I love that whole side story but I would but I would have liked to see her interact more with the other clones because it wasn't till she finally got out of rehab I think it was the uh, it might have been the very last episode when she's talking to them and she finally realizes everything that's been going on and she's missed all of this so um, I, I felt even though we got a lot of Allison and it was great what we saw she wasn't actually part of the main story. So I was a little bummed about that. I would have liked to see her, like in season one, where she played a, a part. It was, it was the trio in season one. Well, I know their, their party is growing, but I would have liked to see Allison be 
uh, more entwined with the other group in this. Yeah. Dude, I hate going after you because you're stealing all of my ideas. Um, <laughs> I agree. I like when Allison is part of the clone club. I think she's a really integral part of it. And I miss the fact that her storyline was not integrated. I also, one of the things, okay, I'm not making sense here. One of the things before the season started was that promotional poster that got me really intrigued. And we, we kind of tried to break it down a little bit because we were sure it meant things. And I still think it did. But a part of it was that Fee and Allison were standing next to each other, dressed the same. And Allison was standing on the scarf that choked her neighbor. Ainsley. Thank you. Um, she was just so inconsequential. Um, I mean, not to Allison, obviously, but to me, I didn't really care much about her. Um, so I was hoping that their storyline was going to be really, really close. I love the relationship that Fee and Allison have. And it just seemed like Fee was only there when Allison, like, super needed her. And, you know, Fee was just this sort of tug-of-war sort of character in this episode. And used well, I thought, in that case. But Allison... I don't know. It was, again, it was good. I liked the musical. I liked the fact <laughs> that, yeah, the musical was insane, right? Um, I I kind of liked that she was in rehab. I, I wasn't a big fan of Vic being there and Angie using Vic. Because, I, again, I hate Angie so much. Hard, so. Uh, <laughs> hate her so much. <laughs> And uh, Donnie was making me mad until we found out about Donnie at the end. But I just, I really missed the fact that she wasn't interacting with people. And it wasn't until Rachel showed up at rehab and they kind of did that body switch thing, like the Freaky Friday thing that, um, that happened last season as well when they were torturing Donnie. I love when Rachel tries to be Allison. You mean Sarah? It's so cute. Sarah. I'm sorry. Sarah, thank you. Um, well done it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love when Sarah tries to be Allison. And it's funny because it's all Tatiana. But Tatiana acting like Sarah, who's trying to act like Allison. And you can see it that she is acting like Sarah, acting like Allison. And it's just so great. And... I don't know. You know, she's standing there trying to role play with Donnie. And, you know, that part, I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to see. This, you know, the clones coming together and working as a team. And, you know, she's trying to cover for Allison. And this is great. But Allison, for the most part, she was just all on her own this season. And I really missed that interaction with everyone. She, you know, she had no idea what was going on with Kira and and Cal and Kasima and all that stuff at Dyad. She just, she was completely out of the loop and she was all in her own head. And it was just, I felt bad for her. So it kind of took me out of things whenever I saw a part of her storyline. Okay. I guess my big thing, I really wish that art had had more to do, which I know we've talked about. And I really wish they'd had more Angie because I love Angie. 
Angie is fantastic. Angie is she, fantastic. <laughs> she's, I mean, she's just all dogged determination, and I think it's wonderful. And yes, she's getting in Sarah's way, but she means well. I truly believe she means well. She's being a good cop about it and trying to figure out what the mystery is. And she really kept Beth alive in a lot of ways in this season, I felt like. Yes, I think most of the Beth mentions, especially early in the season, are from Angie. And the other one, which I'm pretty sure is what Stephanie's going to talk about, I think there really should have been more Cosima and Delphine stuff. Because we mm. get some sense of what they're doing at Dyad, but I don't know, it, it feels like there's just kind of not enough there. <laughs> there are bits of it dropped into all the episodes, but it's not. Did that I feel like more. a setup for that in the last episode? Like they're setting up for something with them in the last episode, taking Delphine away? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. That was we'll see. a real disappointment to me that they were taking her away. <laughs> I was like, no. I'm not sure she's really going to permanently be away. Oh, no, I don't think so either. I'm just thinking they're setting up some sort of storyline that's going to happen there. I wrestled, Chris, with who I was going to talk about. <laughs> did, even I, though, did I help you decide? I think so, because I was going okay. to say, I was debating between Cosima and Felix, because I love Cosima, and I really thought since they moved her to Toronto that we'd get more of her. But she, like Allison, her storyline was also very separate. And I feel like they maybe didn't mine what she was going through quite as much as they could have you know it was but, a lot of scenes of her coughing yeah a lot of coughing i just but, wanted more than just coughing <laughs> but i think i'm gonna go with felix because and i think this was maybe appropriate for the season because we see sarah just really not having a home base this season you know there's times where she can't go back to felix's loft and that's usually always where she can go back and I just felt like Sarah didn't have her anchor with Felix. Allison didn't quite have her Felix anchor the way that they did in the first season. And I felt like he was really missing uh, as sort of pr providing a nice little backbone for all the clones. And he didn't get a huge amount of his own story. He got some time with Tony, which was nice. But I wish he'd gotten a little bit more of his, his own stuff. Mm -hmm. Sister kisser. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good points. Well, before we start to segment into kind of some season three discussions or speculation things, I want to make sure if there's anything else from a season two perspective that any of you want to uh, mention uh, that you might have in your notes that uh, maybe it is worth a quick mention or a quick discussion. Mark, throw it in your direction first there. Anything we missed? Well, the only thing is uh, Stephanie just brought up uh, the Cosima or Chris brought up Cosima and Delphine. And I just had a question. It, when I saw the last episode and Cosima had that vision of Delphine and, and Delphine saying, you know, I will always be with you or, or something like that. I, I On both my watches, before doing my podcast, my initial watch and my follow-up watch, I couldn't help but get the feeling that that was an afterlife projection, that Delphine was dead. And I, I mentioned that in my podcast. That I still, that it, when I see that scene, that's what I take out of that scene now i'm hoping it's not but i see that as delphine has passed and she's telling Cosima, you've got to be strong and no matter what i'm always going to be there for you uh, and, and that's it so i i'm as i said i even in my podcast i said i hope i'm wrong i don't want delphine to be dead but i can't help that that's the way i feel when i see that scene does anybody else did anybody you're not alone uh, it's not me but i've seen it a lot that a lot of people have speculated that 
We actually got some emails from some of our listeners basically asking what we thought, if that's what we thought it meant, because they mm-hmm. were kind of thinking that too. And I really don't think so. I, I did read something, I think it was on Tumblr, somebody had sort of written this interesting thing that was basically all season we've kind of gotten more of a perspective of how Delphine feels about Cosima because Delphine's always trying to do things to keep Cosima alive. And, you know, she's the one who says Jatem and all this sort of thing. And so from their perspective, that scene was sort of us finally really getting a sense that Cosima really does love Delphine because this sort of dream vision of, you know, something to hold on to, right? I will always be with you. And plus it follows I, up with that that mention of, so the puppy followed the explorer the entire way? I just feel like since they injected that little line in there that Kira says to Cosima, that they're trying to let us know that Delphine is going to come back. I don't, I really didn't get the impression that she was dead on either watch of, of that episode. I would hope so, because I have this big thing about main characters passing off screen or with just one line mm-hmm. in the beginning that just, it kind of, it kind of gets to me, but I do remember Twitter um, blew up during that scene. It just exploded. So I know there was a lot of people that had the same theory uh, you did, Mark. Yeah. I hope it's not correct. Yeah, so. same, same here. I just, I'm just wondering if they already know what they're going to do for season three or if they left it that way so that they can go either way. Because uh, when you talk to uh, John and Graham, or not when you talk to them, but when you read their interviews, there's so many things in this show that they said they were going into a season not knowing. And it wasn't until halfway through the season. Like they said, it wasn't until episode six that they thought Mark was going to be the clone, that they decided to make Mark a clone. Or they said mm-hmm. they were actually going to kill Mark in, in episode six. And then decided to make him the clone. Same thing with Ainsley's death. Ainsley's death. They they hadn't thought of that until they had already filmed episode four or five. And uh, so I'm just worried that they left that so that they have the time to figure things out. And then they can go either way. She can be alive or she could be dead. So anyways. But they will have a fandom riot on their hands. They they will. They know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I read a, it was either an article or a blog posting that somebody came up with a theory that Kira brought Delphine back to life, which I rewatched it the other night and I was like, I didn't see anything in her blocking her movements or anything that to me would give that impression. I felt that it was a dream vision and I felt that she probably had it because of the message she received from Delphine earlier uh, you have to do it on your own now or something to that effect, or it's all up to you. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And now that she knows that right now, if not for good, she's got to go it solo as far as the two of them are concerned, uh, that she was kind of, again, as someone expressed about her feelings toward Delphine, I think that, you know, she probably was dreaming about, I don't want you to go away and Delphine leaning over and saying, I will always be with you something to that effect. So I didn't. I saw nothing more than uh, Kira waking her up from a dream. Same here. Anyone else have any burning items from season two before we keep moving? I have funny ones. <laughs> I think <laughs> Felix needs a bathroom door. Number one, <laughs> especially if everybody's going to keep staying with him. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And then number two, um, if Cosima is going to play a Warhammer type game, she needs to stop wearing baggy sweaters because that really bugged me. When she leaned across the table, I, I was like, you're going to knock everything over. So, I mean, that shows what big a geek I am. But, so, Very valid points. 
It's true, right? Yes. No, I I completely understand. It really yeah, been there. Me. Can't wear it. No, baggy sweatshirts not allowed on game night. It's so in her much. defense, she didn't know she was going to be playing. So. No, but you got to roll up your sleeves. <laughs> She's sick, okay? She's cold. Leave her alone. Yeah, cut, cut her some <laughs> slack, will you? If it were me, I wouldn't care how sick she was. If she was playing with me, I'd be oh, like, roll up your sleeve because you're going <laughs> to knock over everything. That's cold. I'm sorry. I'd be, more con- I'd be more concerned if they had a pizza in the middle of the, middle of the table and getting grease all over her sleeve, that's all. Mm, you know what? You can't knock over the pieces. From, from a guy's perspective, if I was one of those guys and Cosima wanted to join my game, she can wear whatever she wants. Damn straight. <laughs> all right. Agreed. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm saying it just bugged me. Well, if we start to look forward to Season 3, we've got lots of different things I'm sure we're already speculating on and wondering about we touched on some of them a little bit with some of the character bits and so forth so what i'm curious to kick us off for our season three uh, discussion is that same idea now that we've all been able to you know get a at least a few days past the end of season two let some of it settle in analyze it a little bit with the fandom and on your own podcasts between now and the premiere of season three what i'd like to hear from you folks is what is the character or the topic or the storyline that is just going to bounce around your brain for the next 10 months that you can't get past without having to think about it. Terry, you want to kick us off? Give me the hard ones. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Again, I have to pick one. Um, Wow. I am stuck between two and I'm trying to figure out which one. I I would really want to know about. Um, dang, that's hard. I, I, only because I really can't choose. I'm just going to go with one. I would. I want to know about um, Helena coming back. I we said on our show that. Uh, I, I mentioned to my co-host. I said, "How about how much you want to bet that she attacks everybody on the plane and she flies the plane back herself?" I, I wouldn't doubt that, knowing her. I just want to see her come. I want to see where she's ending up, particularly if the military has carried on the male clones. Uh, you know, what's the interest? Why did uh, Siobhan have to give her up in the trade? Uh, and then how that's going to play out with the military's involvement, which I think is going to get upped a lot in season three. So I really want to see what Helena's involvement or the requirement for her to be the one who's swapped is going to be all about because I think that there's that's going to play into the bigger mythology of uh, cloning in general, uh, the science behind it, and the morality behind it. If I had to pick one, uh, it's hard to pick one, as you said. <laughs> I know. One of the things that's very intriguing to me is the whole idea of topside that we heard uh, Marion talk about who is the the overseers of Dyad, but I want to know if they're even bigger. Are they also overseeing the militaries? Like, does Topside know about both operations, and who is Topside? Like, are we going to find out that the Topside is Neolutionists? Are Topside also Prolethians? Could they be working together? It's, we, we haven't really been given anything other than the fact that they are the leaders. And I think they are going to be the, the big bad for Season 3, because... Um, we lost Leaky, who wasn't really a bad, but he was there. 
Marion, who we thought was bad, now seems to be on our side, although it's, uh, you know, I'm still taking that with a grain of salt. We'll wait to see how she turns out. And Rachel, if she survives, although Rachel is a bad, I don't see her as the big bad. I can't see her, her as being the main villain. So uh, I think it's going to be topside. And I'm really curious to know what that is because we haven't really, really been given any information on them. So that's what I would pick as as my. Yeah, God, it is hard because everything's so sketchy. Um, I I want to know what's up with Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, big time, because there's just so many hidden things to him. I think he might be the most intriguing part of the show right now. And Terry, to to touch on your subject, there was a Mark clone. Outside the plane. You didn't notice that, right? Yes, yes. Okay. I think they're going to try and breed her. I don't think they know she's pregnant. Mm. Uh, okay. And I think they were taking her to see if they could breed her with the Mark clone. Agreed. Nobody knows oh. she's pregnant other than her. Right. Other than the Prolethians and her. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I like that. So, and now they're going to find out she's pregnant and they're going to go all yeah. ape crap. So, um I think that's going to cause issues as well, but that's just my thought on that matter. But I really, I want to know more background on Cal, definitely. And I, I do, I want to know where, how far does this go? You know, how, how far do the tentacles reach? So yes to everything that you've already mentioned. <laughs> Very yes. curious about all of those things. <laughs> yes. But to check, pick check. a different thing. <laughs> I want to know about Mrs. S. I am just plagued with questions about Mrs. S. Mrs. S. International Badass, as I like to call her. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. What? What's with that guy in the bar? Where did he go? Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt on the continuum or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's Roger Cross. He's on every single show that is made in Canada. Yeah, but there's another layer to her too. Okay, sorry, Chris. Go for it. Oh, I, it was pretty much done. I, Mrs. S. I want to know about Mrs. S. Uh, yeah. Also, I am prone to worrying about the clones, as anybody who listens to our show knows. So that will be... That and the things you guys have already mentioned are going to be the things that will be plaguing me for the next ten months. Yeah, I'm most worried about Helena. Because I have to rank this on things I'm most worried about. So I'm most worried about Helena. I'm second most worried about Kasima. I, I, I feel hopeful about Kazima that she'll figure out a way to to cure her respiratory problems, but I, I still, if I can't say Helena, just because Terry already said it, I'm probably most worried about Kasima and and Delphine because I think Delphine is really key to helping Kasima get better. Yeah, she has babies. I, <laughs> I let's see. I you know what I really want to see? I want to see Sarah get angry and go after Helena. I'm tired of them leaving her in the dust, and they had this whole bonding moment and I'm just sick and tired of Helena getting left behind so I, I do want to see I, I do want to see Sarah get mad and um, want to go after Helena Yeah. I also want to know if Kira is an alien because I feel like she is and <laughs> I just I, I just I need to know why she could recognize her father after ne- like never meeting him just be like oh you're my father like she is like a 40 year old woman <laughs> in a seven year old's body or eight year old's body so I just I want to know more about why she is the way that she is she was part of the Cortexafan trials yeah I think so <laughs> yeah definitely 
Here, here's a yeah. wish for season three. Maybe the Clone Club will unite to jailbreak Helena. Well, that'd be nice. You know, when that you said awesome. that just now, Kimberly, it made me feel like them meeting her and warming to her so quickly there at the end of the finale, that maybe that is telling us that they are going to unite to get her back. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I hope so, too. Do you guys think that Helena, uh, like when they kidnapped Helena outside of Felix's door, do you think that they were waiting for Helena or were they just waiting? Like, what if Kasima or Allison had walked out? Would they have kidnapped whoever or were they? No, it was Helena. They were waiting for yeah. Helena. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay, because yeah. it never actually said. It just, they were waiting there and Helena came out and she was the one that was black bagged. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, you can't miss that hair. No, I think Mrs. But S. What I, I Mrs. think what S. he's S. saying is that Mark doesn't. I think Mark what was saying is that he they might not have cared which clone, yeah. not they that w- they grabbed the wrong one. No, I know. I I think that they were looking for her. Okay. And it, you know, when she came out, they just immediately recognized her. So took her. if Kasim or Allison would have walked out, they would have let her walk by. Is what you're correct. That's what I think. Yeah, I think so too. That mm-hmm. she's just super easy to recognize. So they just, you know, pop the hood over. And I think it's sad that she was going out to meet Jesse because, again, uh, eye candy. Be loved. He better come back next season. Although, you know, I get enough of him on suits, too. So it's okay. Well, how's he going to feel about her being pregnant? He doesn't care. He loves her. a <laughs> girl. She can, she can have his pork rinds anytime. Yeah, he really, I think they fell hard for each other. Now, looking at a couple of other season three items that I know I've seen a lot of comments about, so that's why I want to get some thoughts from you folks, is uh, do we see, I know we have the Project Caster and and the guys, but do we see more female clones coming on board? What do you think, uh, Chris? Uh, I think almost certainly they will introduce more Project Lita clones, if I had to guess. I kind of hope not, though. We've got a lot. That's true. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's always an option, though. If they do, I wouldn't mind if it was more like they introduced Jennifer, where it was just kind of through mm. video in, in which she didn't become like another character in the mix. Right. I know a lot of people had issues with that. I actually kind of liked it. I mean, yeah. I'm sad for her, but yeah. yeah. I like Jennifer. Yeah, but, me too. I, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't put it past them to introduce more Lita clones, but I kind of hope we don't because we've got a lot of people in play here now, and already it felt like some key characters didn't get quite enough screen time in season two. So I worry about the characters that we love getting not getting enough time on uh in in storylines. I I think they should bring back Tony and maybe yeah. try to like define that character a little bit more um, because if they bring back any, if they, if they introduce any more clones, they really need to, to give her a raise. Tatiana like deserves a raise because no that's just got to be exhausting. I bet she sleeps for like a week after they're done shooting. <laughs> I, I would like to see uh, Tony come back again. As I said earlier, the only thing that's really going to justify the character is if they get into uh, doing uh, the, the transition that has seemingly made Tony immune that might come into play in uh, towards the latter part of hopefully Cosima's getting better so that Tony could kind of come in there, not so much as the knight in shining armor, but 
you know, Tony's back in town and somehow it comes out. Oh, by the way, here's a piece of the puzzle that maybe you didn't know you were missing. Let me tell you about this thing. And somebody, Cosima or Sarah or something, puts it together and saying, well, wait a second. You know, maybe that's going to help. We've already seen one clone introduced at the tail end of Charlotte, who is the little girl who was the only one other than the, the only other one out of the batch of 400 who survived outside of... Um, Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. Outside of uh, Sarah and um, uh, Helena. So she's already in, put in there at the end of this season. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, we already have more uh, with Charlotte now at the tail end of this season. So we might see more of her. Uh, maybe some bonding between her and Sarah. I, I don't think we really need any more. Maybe some cursive characters like Jennifer Fitzsimmons. Uh, that's kind of a one-off to kind of fill in some of the other clones that have not, you know, that have, have not made it. But I don't think they really need to do it. So I think Charlotte right now as a new addition, I think that's going to be enough. Yeah. I kind of hope if they do, I hope they're, they don't do something like, uh, like they, they did with Tony where, uh, again, I kind of figure, feel that Tony was a little bit of a gimmick. They wanted to do the, the transgender uh, thing and, and kind of push the envelope. I, I would love to see if they do introduce more clones that they, they're not trying to say, okay, now what can we do next? Like, you know, to really wow people. Um, I, I would love to see more international clones. We already know of three killed. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there must, I would presume there's more than just the three that were overseas. So maybe who knows where they're flying Helena off to. They could be taking her to Germany or something, and maybe we'll see another German or, or somebody from over the pond. So, Ooh, well, that's where Delphine's supposed to be going. Exactly. So Ooh, somebody. there you go. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, um, I'd prefer no more drive-by clones like Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's kind of what he was, right? Yeah. Um, I, just, I like the character. No, I do too. I just, I think if they were going to commit, they needed to commit. Yeah. And like Mark was saying, I saw Tatiana. And I think they needed to refine it before they put that character on the screen. Um, and I think it was a, a pretty good effort at a trans character. I'm not saying you know she I mean? needed to look any different, but... Right. I, it just wasn't 100% convincing. It was like 85% convincing to me. And it, I don't know. I, it shouldn't have been a judgmental thing for me. It really shouldn't have. But she's just so good at all the other clones that this one just stood out a little bit. It was just like, eh. And, you know, the kind of faux mullet thing happening. Um, I don't I like know. That. <laughs> Yeah, just, eh. um, but anyway, um, so what would Charlotte be? Would she be a topside clone? Are we, are we naming it yet? Was there a, a project name for her? I She's would still say in the project leader line. Yeah. The project leader line. Yeah. I like that. I would say well, it's yeah. the same actress who plays young Rachel. So. No, I know, right. but th this is Marion's project. This is not from, yeah. but it's still know, the th same they, material that they, right. You were using right, so. so she is she sells shares the same genetic material with Sarah, okay. etc. So she's a project right. leader clone. So it's project leader, but they don't have the original data, so they're just trying to recreate project leader. 
Yeah, yeah, I would say that's what mm -hmm. I would say. I wouldn't say yeah. she's Project Lita. I would say that it's they're trying to recreate Project Lita with her. Okay, okay. So she's an offshoot, uh, a Project okay. Lita clone, clone. So I think I would like to see uh, more about Charlotte and and what was happening there. For one thing, that actress is adorable, yeah. and I just. Part of what bothers me is that there were 400 um, clones that didn't make it, or 390-some, whatever. I mean, I'm sure it's not exactly 400. And that scares me. Again, we have a morality issue with that. You know, how developed were they, and how viable were they? So I think one of the things that Orphan Black is not afraid to touch on is morality issues, and... I think that is going to determine how good or bad Marion is and, um, you know, how ruthless is she when it comes to terminating a clone. So I, I kind of want to find out about Marion through this. Well, just um, that one line that's when Sarah said it's all about the money and she looked at her and says, of course it's about the money. Exactly. That tells you a lot about her. It's chilling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I want to find out. And, you know, she seems to really love Charlotte, but I wonder if it's love as in, you know, I love her as a person, but I also can see potential in her. And, you know, I really, she, she seems to care about her. I don't want to minimize that, but I don't know. I just, I really want to know, you know, these experiments she's doing, now that they have this information, or Cosima has it, right? Are they going to get their hands on it? And what is going to happen with that? And, you know, I love Michelle Forbes. So I'm guessing she'll come back next season. Because who would want to waste that character? And I just, I think the potential there is going to be crazy. And to be able to discuss morality issues like that is going to be... I, it's going to be off the charts fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing to kind of shift gears, I think, a bit from a very serious tone a bit to some interesting thoughts that people always seem to want to talk about. Uh, do we think in season three that we're going to find out more about Felix? Is there more to him or is he just kind of the, the fun, you know, uh, brother to have along for the ride there? What do we think, Stephanie? Well, Felix is not just anything. Felix is fabulous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I know a lot of people were hoping that Felix was going to be a clone. I really wasn't. I think that he's a good heart to the show. He's sort of where the clones can go, can turn to where they can kind of escape all of that stuff that they're going through. And it, it would have jeopardized sort of the role he plays on the show, I think, had he ended up being a clone too. So, but of course, you know, we've got so much we could we could learn about him we get sort of hints about his past and what his life was like growing up but i am curious to to learn how he came to be where he is now you know what he does for a profession etc but but yeah i always will take more felix of course you know it's funny i was thinking that the other day i was like does anybody have a job because i don't <laughs> know how felix affords a place like that and i guess we know Kasima kind of works at at Dyad, I you just see Sarah wandering the streets 
And Allison, I was assuming Donnie made all the money, but it was just, you know, nobody, nobody seems to work. So it was, it was funny that you just mentioned that about was suspended and he manages to feed Helena all that food. Helena. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, Felix has a job. He entertains gentlemen callers. That's that's true. Apparently sells small amounts of drugs. And sells small amounts of drugs. He's employed. He just has unconventional employment. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him get into a relationship because I feel yeah. bad that he always gets kicked out of his house for other people to be in his bed. Like it just, he's always like removed from his, from his place. And I, I would just like to see him be kind of stable. Cause I think he's gone through a lot and I really like the fact that he had that breakdown at one point because you saw him go through so much, even that, that scene with, with Paul and, you saw mm. him go through all that, and he and they finally showed how he handled it when he got completely wasted and stuff. Because anybody would break after that, so I, I really liked how they they developed that. Um, I would I would love to see more of Felix. I, I in the beginning, the first season, I was scared that he was the monitor. I'm not scared about that anymore. So I should knock on wood because the minute you you grow comfortable with a character, something changes. But I hope he really is what I think he is, and and just lovable Felix. Oh, go and fetch me something gay. <laughs> um, I would like to see a Felix-centric episode in season three. I want to see him have a relationship. We had that one uh, tryst that got quickly broken up with, I forget his name, the fellow from Colin. the morgue. Adorable Colin. Colin. Yeah, I want to see the two of them together. I think yeah. they would make a cute couple. Um, and I want to see more of Delfino and Cosima. I think they make a cute couple. There's a lot of potentials for cute couples here. Uh, and I think Allison and Donnie have that potential now. But I would like to see Felix fleshed out. And I would love to see more of his and Sarah's being brought up as half-brother and sister, foster-brother and sister, and how that all played out. I mean, we've had um, Mrs. S talk about that, Siobhan talk about it, you know, that she raised them, or raised Sarah anyway. And I want to see how the two of them ended up together and maybe, you know, have some younger actors playing them. Uh, when they were younger, and do that. So I'd like to see the character more fleshed out, more of his background, not just his ashless chaps. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I would like to see him have a romance. With Colin, I think that would be the most likely choice. Or Ramon. I think Ramon. Colin's been scared away. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I Actually, I'm going to disagree with what you said, Terry. I don't think I really want to see... Uh, their upbringing. I don't think there's any reason uh, at this point to see how Sarah and Felix were were brought up or see flashbacks. It's not the uh, Orphan Black has never really done the flashback thing. So, True. True. Um, I don't think it's needed, and uh, I don't even want to see a Felix centric episode. I do want to see more of Felix, but I don't think there needs to be an episode centered around him. Um, I love the way he's embraced all the clones as his sisters, you know, he grew up with Sarah and as soon as he met all these other clones, it's, he's referring to them as his sisters. Yeah. So, um, I really like that. Uh, I think that, uh, I do want to see him more, get more involved. Kind of, uh, he, he was kind of an up and down character where he, he'd grow a backbone and then all of a sudden he, he wouldn't anymore. And I, I'd like to see him become a stronger person throughout uh, as far as the relationships, I can take it or leave it either way. Uh, not just with him. I, I'm not a, a shipper. So, you know, I think, yeah, Delphine and Kasima are cute together, but I I don't really 
watch the show for that sort of thing. So uh, as far as Felix getting with somebody, it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. Um, one thing about Felix, though, is, is uh, Kimberly, you mentioned the whole Paul scene where, where Paul and Felix were together there. I was really curious, whatever happened, they, they said that the charges were dismissed on his murder thing. I would have liked to know a little bit more information on that. I mean, when you have, they, you have a detective come in with a murder weapon with his fingerprints on it and everything, and he gets sent, booked and uh, incarcerated for murder, and then all of a sudden the charges were dropped, I would have liked to know, like, okay, what did they say? What did they do to drop these charges and all of a sudden Felix is free? Because that's all they said is, oh, the charges were dropped. Well, When did they say that? Um, at one point they said, they said uh, something, uh, I forget if it was Rachel or, or somebody that said, do something and we'll, we'll have the charges dropped and, and Sarah uh, conceded. It was she didn't. who said that, but they never actually followed through with it. Yeah, I actually don't know that we know if the if the charges against Felix were dropped. He was out on bail, I presume. But oh, okay. But I I think that that's still up in the air because we actually Chris and I just did a season two rewatch because I was like, did they ever mention the charges again? And they don't. Okay. Well, see, I just presume that everything was dropped, and I was quite, that's what I was questioning is you know what happened? It was he was incarcerated and all that, and they said they were going to get him out because I do remember uh, it was Leaky or whoever saying that they would have Felix released while well, he's released. And then we never hear anything about it again. So anyways, I think Siobhan had something to do with that. And maybe the charges, he still has to have a court hearing or something other, if they haven't been just erased. But I think Siobhan may have had something to do with that. Cause I don't see Felix. I could see him wanting to just run away and get out of the building and go. If he has an opportunity to do it, I could see him doing that, but kind of sort of but i really you were talking about his backbone i don't know if he would do it but i i kind of have this hunch that uh, siobhan had something to do with that could be see i could see them and i'm doing air quotes here so imagine that mm -hmm. i could see them losing the evidence um <laughs> they have lots of connections so i definitely could see the charges being dropped at some point now not that they are now we don't know that scene, I try to forget that scene. That I think that is the scene that made me the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, that to me, that was a rape scene. Yeah. And I, I that really hurt me because I like Paul, and that really diminished him. I I think that Rachel. I don't know if I believe it anymore that they had written Rachel having something on him. Because he seemed to extricate himself from that rather easily. But I felt like that she had something on him in order for him to do that. And now I'm wondering. Because, you know, I didn't want to believe he could just do that so easily. But now, you know, who knows? I guess he just could. Yep. So but that... When you're looking in hindsight, um, she did have something on him. She had Afghanistan, but then you find out that Afghanistan was was manufactured in order for him yeah. to get in. Mm -hmm. So right, he was. So she doesn't really have it on no, him. But he couldn't blow his cover, so he had to go along and do it. So I don't think like it wasn't Paul actually being mean. He was just retaining his cover. At okay, play. okay, I guess so. So yeah, I I hated him. In that moment, because I do, I love Felix so much. I would want him to be my brother in a heartbeat. 
Um, I mean, I have two brothers and I love them too, but if mm-hmm. I could adopt Felix as well as my brother, I would. But that scene, I tears were really just welling up in my eyes for Felix during that scene because it just hurt so much. Um, I've tried to block it out. And then when you brought it up, Kim, was it Sorry. you, Kimberly? No, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Um, it was part of the season. And, you know, it's part of talking about it. That I think that was the most impactful scene when it came to Felix this season. Yeah, I I think that there is more to Felix being placed with Siobhan than we're seeing. I I did not hope he was a clone. There was part of me that was like, more than Felix? Felix? Yes. But then I was like, nah, I don't really want him to be a clone. But I... I wonder why he was with Siobhan. Um, I, I just, I think there might be something there. You know, was there something that made it, you know, some reason that he had to be there to help with Sarah? I mean, I don't know. Was was it ever said who she adopted first? No. No. Maybe she just had Felix and it was just she had adopted a child and then all of a sudden she was presented with Yeah, Sarah. I guess so. Maybe. That might be all it is. <laughs> well, I'd like to know that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At the very least. It would be nice because there's a lot of speculation about that. And and that way I could just drop it. Um, <laughs> you know, that way I could just go, okay, good. Then I can just like Felix for Felix. I don't have to worry about him being part of this huge conspiracy thing. So I, I just, I feel like they don't do anything by mistake in this show. You know, no one's part of the show for no reason. So, I don't know. You know, why did why would they have cast a foster brother for her if they weren't going to use him for some reason? So, I just, I, I want to see much more of him. But I don't want him to be a pivot. You know, I don't want him to be the, hey, I'm the guy that goes and gets the clones whenever. You know, he was bitching about it. Really? You want me to go get Helena? Really? Is that all I'm good for? You know, and I was like, yeah, no kidding. Um, why? And then finally at the end, he's like, yeah, I'm part of the clones. I get to go in there and dance with them. And you got to go, Cal. And, you know, I felt like, good for you. Um, finally, getting to be <laughs> part of the club. And I just, I want him to be part of that. And, you know, if we get to see his buns once a year, I'm okay with that. He has the <laughs> nicest set of buns. Seriously. Um, it, so we got to see the assless chaps and then the, I guess the apron was last season. Apron. Is that what we got to see? No, I think last that was season this, and this season. Yeah. Okay. Both. Yeah. So, yay, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, I don't, I just, I really like him. He's a great actor. I think he's an intriguing character. And I think he has such a good bond with Allison. I'm I'm sad that that didn't happen more this season. I mean, we had that, like, Keystone Cops thing happening in the, in the rehab facility. But otherwise, there wasn't a lot of bonding between the two of them. So I think that was uh, a letdown for me. Well, she did smack him on the buns during the clone dance. Yeah, that's true. Just whacked him on the backside. So yeah, well, patted him oh, as much as that. she could. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, uh, I think more would have been good. So, 
Well, I feel like Felix is really sort of a a perspective point for the audience in a lot of ways. You know, sort of a a surrogate for the audience or something. There's a phrase for this that I can't think of right now. But he's, you know, he'll often say what you're thinking. He's yeah, one of those kind of characters. through his perspective. Yeah. He is sort of the normal one in the midst of all this chaos and all these people finding out that their lives are not what they thought they were. And so he's sort of the the steady perspective, I guess, in, in a lot of ways. And I'm glad that he's not the other clone for that reason. And I don't know. And, you know, now he's a phone carrying member of Clone Club. So I... I hope certainly that we can only get more of him in the third season. I, I love that you use the word normal in connection with Felix, that he's normal. Well, in, in the scope of the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> he's a non clone. He, he I think doesn't have to art filter is the everything. Most normal person in this whole thing. And, and they don't use him at all. So yeah, Felix is a muggle. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, you know. yeah, I can see that. Or if it's clones, if it's clones, maybe a cluggle. I don't know. A cluggle. <laughs> nice. We'll have to see if we get some more there on him. Well, as we kind of round back to finishing things out for season three thoughts, I don't want to cut anyone off, but uh, we've covered a lot of topics. But each of you may or may not have another thing you want to make sure that uh, gets thrown out there for the rest of us to anguish over for 10 months so mm-hmm. i'll kind of throw it open to say is there anything else anyone wants to make sure that we talk about before we go i have i have something i don't know if you guys have read the uh the interviews with graham and and john and they were talking about how they had a three season story arc mm-hmm. and that if it got picked up for a season four they were planning on doing a reboot of the series what are your thoughts on that did you guys read that article that I one, did not I see that one. No, I didn't see it, it. It was posted on a few places, and they said that they had a three-season story arc for this. They plan, by the end of season three, the current story will be resolved. And if the, the, season, if the series is popular enough, they, they're not sure what they're doing in season four, but they were thinking one of, the, one of their uh, options was to do a reboot of the series in season four. And uh, I don't know. I just m- My thing was thinking, like, you can't do that. Uh, but uh, I guess if you haven't read the article about it, then there's not much point talking about it. But um, Well, did they mean a reboot as in completely new cast, new characters? Would they keep one character into the new? Did they specify? specify? Okay. They did not specify. They just said that they, they anticipated that the story we're following right now would be finished by the end of season three. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> if they got picked up again then that's what they said. They said one of the possibilities is rebooting. And they didn't specify, although in the article, a lot of the comments afterwards were saying, like, you can't do this series without Tatiana. You can't reboot it that way unless they just meant to reboot as in take the characters and start a whole new storyline because this storyline will be complete. Um, so they, they didn't go into detail, but they just said they, they at this point, they don't know what they're going to do beyond season three. Yeah, that's mm. my first reaction is that I don't know if I, if I would be happy with the show if it didn't have Tatiana and the characters that we've come to really love. I mean, I do, I have watched Skins, which was a, a British show that rebooted every two years with a completely new cast. And like the first reboot went okay, but the second one 
the characters weren't quite as interesting and I kind of lost interest. So there's always, there's always that risk, but I really just can't see this story without Tatiana being involved. Well, I mean, they've kind of mentioned before that they couldn't do it without her. So I guess, yeah, my big question is, well, what do they mean by reboot? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've seen other things before where they were talking about how they had originally planned out, I think it was like a three season storyline or something, but then they've sort of introduced new things and we're talking about, maybe expanding that. And I forget what they said, if it was four seasons or five seasons that they've got planned out now. So I don't know if this is just like, if they gave the interviews at different times or were having different, I don't know. These are the ones I'm talking about came out after the the season finale. I think the one I read did too. So I don't know. Hmm. I'm very confused at this point is what I'm saying. No, (laughs) I just hope it's a poor use of the word reboot. Because yeah. uh, I'll tell you what, if they took Tatiana out, that would be a huge fan revolt. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd be part of that revolt. And if they took all or most of the other characters, I, you know, it would just be way too different. I mean, you would have to transplant the whole thing. So what are you going to do? Get rid of Dyad? You're going to get rid of Topside? You're going to get rid of uh, the military's involvement? You're going to put them on a farm and have the Green Acres theme playing in the background? I mean, what are you going to do with them? Oh, thanks. Now that's going to be in my head all night. <laughs> Plus, we'd have to consider changing our podcast name. I know. That would not that would be no yeah. good. <laughs> uh, it can't happen then. No. Hmm. Yeah, it can't be a real reboot, right? No. Yeah. I hadn't heard that, but now I'm going to be stressed out. No kidding. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> appreciate that. Mark. What you said about being human—I uh, mean, Misfits did the same thing, and I totally lost interest once they changed the characters. So, I God, I hope they don't do that. Now, yeah. American now American Horror Story—I don't watch that, but is it the same cast just in a different setting each year? Yeah. It recycles. Is that how they do it? Yeah, and True Detective's the same, but they haven't done that yet. Yeah. That's what I'm but saying. That, You'd have to like reset. They say all that up the front. Settings. They say that up front, though, is yeah, that it's a bunch of mini strung together. But I mean, Orphan you, Black, you, they haven't gone into it like that, you know. I don't. I don't know where they could put it. I mean, they're good writers and all, but I'm just wondering where they could take this out of, or take it out of this, and where they could, you know, land this well, whole, you know. They would have to introduce something in season three, and then like spin off. If that's what they were talking about doing, I guess. But that's too much to think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want it. My brain is being warped too much right now. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> First, you steal all my ideas, and now you're warping my brain. Yeah. Uh, Let me just think Mark's, about Cal for a little bit. Yeah. Hmm? Mark's question aside, anyone else have any season three items? Though we don't want to cut you off. I have kind of a dual uh, thing for the season three. I think that I would like to see uh, Delphine's resolution not be the season three ender. I don't think they could do another cliffhanger, obviously. Uh, I would like to see the season three ender uh, or cliffhanger be like the coming to a head battle between topside and the military. And where you have the, the the female clones going up against the male clones, more than three, in some kind of a arrangement there, you know, if not a physical battle, just something. Uh, I would like to see that. I'd like to see these two factions kind of come together and come to a head at the end of the season. So, 
Stephanie and I have taken to calling them Lita clones and caster clones. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Let's have the Lita clones and caster clones. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> going head to head at each other. Put them in a wrestling match. There's yeah. There you go. You know, I want to see how versatile the actor who plays Mark is. That's for sure. Yeah. Of course, they're mostly playing soldiers or the caster clones are mostly soldiers. It seems like so. I don't know. That one that Sarah saw at the end there didn't look like uh, he was soldier material. He looked pretty crazy to me. He, was but he also had enough. wounds. So, yeah, I think that's what happens when you clone something and clone something and clone something and yeah. clone something. It's, it's, crazy. So, it's crazy that the military would do that because the last thing you want are crazy people with guns. And I don't that's know. What Not necessarily. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That, you know, they don't care who they shoot. Well, if you were, if they were true military, I don't know. Yeah. I just that that whole thing scares me. Like, there's something seriously. Well, there's something wrong with the whole concept in general. Yeah. But that right. That kind of scared me. One of the I things not reminded Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> reminded me of Francis from Stripes. Don't call oh, me Francis. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of had kind of a similar look too, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I could just see like Helena meeting up and going, "That boy is crazy." Yeah, I know. <laughs> He is completely exactly. nuts. <laughs> yeah, Sarah didn't look too happy about seeing him either. You know, one of the things that I think the showrunners, uh, there was one thing that disappointed me in this season, and I think they totally, totally failed on it, is at two points during the season when Cal was doing his research on the dyad and he had his computer up and he was looking through stuff, and we saw that he was looking up dyadinstitute.com and later in the series... Uh, Rachel's email was Rachel at dyadinstitute.com. Mm-hmm. Dyadinstitute.com does not exist. It's somebody owns the, the domain, but there's no website there. And I'm thinking with all the promotion and everything that the, the showrunners have done for Orphan Black, you think they could have put a little bit of money to at least develop some sort of website that would have made it look like Dyad. Similar to uh, when Fringe uh, mm-hmm. actually had the... Uh, Massive dynamics. Massive dynamics. There there was an actual massive dynamic website that you swear was the company from the show. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they they really missed out on that opportunity to actually build a website at dyadinstitute.com. I wonder if they own it or some jerk like swooped in and got it. Who who knows? Oh, I would like to see an ARG based on this. (laughs) But they, uh, I know it was it was registered partway through the season so it's not something they thought of up front I don't know when they, they film but I forget the actual registration date because I had done a who is on it and uh, it was like registered uh, sometime in May I believe Ooh. so mm. it could have been somebody that uh, you know, just grabbed it but uh, it was a really miss on their part if they didn't think to register it before using it and uh, doing something with it because as I said with all the promotion all the teasers and everything they did they really missed out on that opportunity yeah, because Fringe had that website for Massive Dynamic in, was it the first season or the beginning of the second? They did it pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, so you would imagine that being Dyad was talked about much more in season two, that uh, the production team or somebody would have had that done ahead of time. So if that domain's just been acquired in May. Hmm. Yeah, because like I'm, in my podcast when I mentioned it, my example was the the show Heroes um, I can't remember his name, but the, the guy in Heroes that was hunting uh, them, the guy that wore glasses, and uh, 
he was uh, he's not he doesn't have powers but he was hunting him and he his front was he worked at a paper company well at one point you saw his business card and you saw the company and there was a website on it and they actually had the website for his paper company was a real website um so even something like that like that's the example i gave in my podcast that they could have done something it's owned by a domain reseller by the way yeah it's not owned by that company just so you know They're probably asking a ridiculous amount of money for it. Probably. It's a company in Panama. Oh, I didn't dig that deep, so. It's okay. Well, now we know next time we need to go deep, we call Karen. There you go. (laughs) It doesn't take that much. I know where to go. I have links. I have lots of bookmarks. Now we know why she likes Cal so much. She must be working with him. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. He's got stubble. He's cute. He's, <laughs> he's a hacker. I'm there. All Although right, the well. bees thing is not good. <laughs> I think we've covered quite a lot here for you folks. We hope you've enjoyed this discussion. And uh, as we said at the beginning, we do have several podcasts represented here. And we hope you're obviously listening to at least one of them, if not several of them. But before, before we go, though, we're going to give everybody a chance to... Uh, Again, let you know who they are for the sake of uh, matching the voice to the name, as well as mention their website so you'll know how to check them out. Uh, why don't you kick things off, Mark? Well, once again, uh, my name is Mark Decote. I run Solo Talk Media, where I do the Orphan Black podcast. And you can reach me at solotalkmedia.com. And the easiest way to keep track of me is on Twitter at Solo Talk Media. And Mark, you've been awesome with us this season retweeting us and everything so i wanted to say thank you before we part ways tonight um that's that's one of the things about i I find about podcasters so many people are are like i know a fan my listeners and all that they they talk about you know well there's other shows and i i keep telling them you know we're all one big happy family we're just yeah we just happy happen to be talking around a different water cooler right so that's it and that's what podcasters are and part of this is we love coming together like this and talking about things because, you know, we've all picked up on different things throughout the course of the season. And, um, like I learned stuff from you guys that I didn't pick up on. And now I've got stuff to go back to Steve and go, Steve, 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 listen. (laughs) Um, so yeah. And I'll, I'll go talk to my husband about stuff too. And I'll go host baby. And you know, so Steve, (laughs) Steve and I do the other, the Orphan Black podcast for DVMPE. And we are at, at Orphan Black Pod. And we're also on Facebook. Just search for, search for the Orphan Black Podcast there. Um, and also Orphan Black Podcast at gmail.com. And my name is Chris. And I'm from Tatiana Is Everyone, which is at tatianaiseveryone.com. We're on Twitter at TIE Podcast. And we're on Facebook, where we are also Tatiana is everyone, one word. And I'm Stephanie Beaver, and I'm also on Tatiana is everyone. I'm Kimberly Walton. I do 324B21, the Orphan Black podcast. It's a product of The Nerd Element, and you can find us at thenerdelement.com. And we are at Twitter, at The Nerd Element. And I just want to say thank you to everybody, because I think I have interacted with all of you uh, live tweeting at some point in time. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, so very active group. Happy to be here. Well, not I, because I'm twitless. Uh, my, 
my cohort, Stephen Corey, handled the Twitter part. Yeah, okay. uh, but I'm Terry, and I'm from The C Word, and you can reach us on email, feedback at thecwordpodcast.com. You can visit our website, thecwordpodcast.com. We're on Facebook, uh, look for The C Word Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at C Word Podcast. Awesome. And I know I've had a lot of fun listening in on this discussion, folks. My name is Kevin Batchelder, and I'm one of the hosts of TuningItToSciFiTV.com, uh, where we cover lots of genre shows, including Orphan Black. So always great to learn more about it, and that's why this was so much fun. And we hope all of you listening enjoyed it, too. So please reach out to any of these podcasters and uh, let them know your thoughts on this particular show or any questions you have, because we have several months till the next season, and this is how we all... Love to keep the show alive. So, again, appreciate your time, everybody, for being on the show and for all of you for listening. Bye.